Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. We're going to start today, of course, with the Supreme Court decision related to the Masterpiece Masterpiece Cake Shop. Let's there's there's two sides of this that I want to talk about today. So we're going to start with a video that uh, focus on the family put together summarizing this case. Then we're going to look at another perspective on it. And then I'll give you my take on it. This is about two minute summary from focus on the family. So here's this is what we're going to start with. Then I'll be back uh, and we will and we'll break this down uh, still further. Hello, everyone. I'm Bruce Houseconnect. I serve as the judicial analyst for focus on the family. Jim Daly, who's currently traveling, asked me to share some great news with you. As you may have heard, the United States Supreme Court came out today with a ruling in favor of Jack Phillips, the Christian baker from Denver, Colorado. You're probably familiar with the basic facts of the case. Jack has operated his family-owned bakery for many years. He calls it Masterpiece Cake Shop and considers it his ministry in addition to his vocation. He serves all people but he refuses to use his creative gifts to promote any message that violates his religious beliefs. In 2012, he was approached by a same-sex couple. They asked him to create and decorate a -a one-of-a-kind wedding cake for them. When Jack declined and told the two men why, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission got involved and found Jack guilty of discrimination. They went so far as to compare him to the Nazis and slave owners for his religious views. Today, the Supreme Court declared in no uncertain terms that what Colorado had done was to violate Jack's religious freedom. Simply put, seven justices of the court acknowledged that the state of Colorado was hostile to Jack Phillips' faith. This is big news. This lopsided 7-2 decision in Jack's favor sends a message that religious freedom is not a relic from the founding era, but a vibrant and living right granted to us by God and guaranteed by the First Amendment to the Constitution. It's our prayer that the decision today can help to diffuse other religious conflicts around the country involving wedding bakers, photographers, printers, and the like. So we celebrate with Jack today. Thank you for your support and interest in Focus on the Family. Please join us in giving thanks for this victory. God bless you all. So there's that perspective of it, where it is a victory, where we celebrate, where this is great. And then there's the opposite side of this, which you may have also heard. Uh, It's... uh, um, some of the best articles I've read on this are actually over at the dailywire.com and one from Ben Shapiro is titled Religious Americans Should Still Be Very Worried. What you need to know about the masterpiece cake shop ruling. So, um why why would he why would he say that? Well, because while 
I'll just read you what he put. While you may be reading excited conservatives and leftists claiming that the Supreme Court actually ruled in favor of religious freedom or religious tyranny, respectively, the case did nothing of the sort. The case merely stated that adding a layer of cruelty to a ruling against religious freedom made it unpalatable. Were commissioners to act in a neutral way and reach the same outcome, however, that might be just dandy. First, let's rewind. This case features the religious Christian baker, Jack Phillips, who was asked to decorate a wedding cake for a same-sex wedding. He refused. The same-sex couple heroically then complained to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which attempted to fine Phillips into oblivion. This could implicate three separate constitutional questions. First, there's freedom of speech. Is decorating a cake a form of speech? Justice Gorsuch writes in his concurrence that it obviously is because decorating a cake is a form of art and therefore protected expression. Second, there's freedom of association. The Constitution was long understood to guarantee people the right to do business with whomever they choose. That right has been abrogated in recent decades by anti-discrimination law, well-intentioned, but burdensome. And finally, there's freedom of religion. The Constitution has two separate clauses dealing with freedom of religion that really ought to be read in tandem. Freedom of exercise and non-establishment. These clauses were meant to be two sides of the same coin. The state could not establish a religion and thereby crack down on the free exercise of religion. Laws of neutral applicability, however, could in fact abridge certain religious freedom. So... The court in this case chose to rule only on the last question, according to Shapiro. And even there, they didn't answer whether a law of neutral applicability could force a baker to bake a same-sex marriage cake. They merely stated that the Colorado Commission had not applied its rules in neutral fashion. All right, so here's from Justice Kennedy. This is what he wrote. The commission's hostility was inconsistent with the First Amendment's guarantee that our laws be applied in a manner that is neutral toward religion. Phillips was entitled to a neutral decision maker who would give full and fair consideration to his religious objection as he sought to assert it in all of the circumstances in which this case was presented, considered, and decided. The outcomes of cases like this and other circumstances must await further elaboration in the courts. So, presumably, if the Colorado Commission had said nicely to Phillips, Dear sir, we understand that you believe that this is a moral question for you, but uh, the time that we live in, we've moved past your old-fashioned morality, and therefore your religious objections need to take a backseat to civility in this country, and then they could just tell him to do whatever they wanted and it wouldn't be a problem. Essentially, what some are saying then, Oh, I need to sneeze. Okay. Um. So what? What? What's essentially happening is some are saying that this is a presentation where the government is saying, as long as you speak nicely to the individual with whom you want to take away the freedom of religion, you may you may do so. The problem is that you didn't you didn't talk to Mr. Phillips very kindly. You weren't neutral about this. So there's two sides to this that have been bantered about. There's a side of, look at this. This is a great victory. This is epic. This is fantastic. Look what the Supreme Court has done. Wow. And then there's the other side of this, which is saying, yeah, but they didn't really do anything for religious freedom. All they did was rule in this specific case, and their ruling was not based on... I, on um, 
their ruling was not based on religious freedom issues, but the fact that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission was not kind to him and was uh, was not appeared to not be neutral in their decision. So we really are kind of back at square one because we didn't decide anything in this ruling. So those are the two sides being discussed. And that's what that's why I haven't talked about this earlier this week because I wanted to really look at both sides. We actually have uh, someone who's very well versed in this entire issue that will probably join us on this program next week to discuss it further. But let me just break down for you where I'm at, where what I see with this. So on one hand, you have um, you have a good decision, right? This is the outcome that anyone who believes that the Constitution uh, should be followed and that religious freedom should be protected and that freedom of speech is, in fact, a thing and that Jack Phillips should not be forced to bake this cake if it violates uh, his religious beliefs. If these are the opinions you hold, and I believe that they should be and they are mine, then we have a good decision here. Okay, The outcome is what we wanted, but... In addition to that good decision, we have a bad opinion. So the reasoning behind the decision is not one that sets a precedent to where we'll never see this issue again and religious freedom has been decided and no baker has to ever bake the cake. No, instead, what this case does is deal pretty much solely with Jack Phillips and essentially leaves the door wide open for another case of this nature to come up again in the future. And... And it opens the door to where if it does come up again, the next person may have to somehow prove their level of Christianity or level of belief or, or somehow demonstrate their own conscientious objection, ob, or, uh, objection that, that, that that objection is in fact in keeping with the rest of their life and lifestyle, which to me is really kind of scary. So, yes, the court talked about religious freedom, but that wasn't the focus of the, of the opinion that was issued. Rather, it was that the courts did not properly consider if religious conscience was given place in their ruling. And so because the court, uh, to keep this simple again, wasn't nice to the baker, didn't give him the possibility of religious thought as conviction being that a reality in his life, and that they were in essence almost anti-Phillips because of his Christianity, the ruling is null and void. What SCOTUS did not say is, yes, freedom of conscience conscience freedom of religion is protected and no one with these convictions here to forward has to bake a wedding cake for a same-sex couple they didn't do that this issue isn't over and while while we're on this topic of the cake can i just add again to clarify for everyone out there this baker phillips he would have sold this gay couple a wedding cake he would have sold them any cake pretty much all he would not do is customize their cake which is just bizarre to me. Not only could they have basically gone to any other bakery in the state to buy a cake, but they could have actually purchased a cake from Phillips and taken it somewhere else to have it written on or to get their little people for the top, whatever. Um, It wasn't about, it's not even really about the cake. It's that he would not customize the cake. He wasn't refusing service. He was refusing to participate in the actual wedding celebration but this couple instead of a (laughs) I don't even like to use that term in this instance but uh, but instead of choosing to go elsewhere also why why do you want to force someone to make you something that they don't want to make you I mean wouldn't you rather 
go to someone who loves you anyway and thinks what you're doing is all cool and happy and dandy. Like, I try to be nice to the people in the drive through window just so they don't spit in my food, okay? Like, I... I don't know. I feel like if someone was like, yeah, no, sorry. It's against my religious convictions to do that for you. I'd be like, oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to just, you know what? There's a store right down the street. I'm going to go there. But rather than just take their business elsewhere, they decided to do everything they possibly could to destroy this man, destroy his business, and destroy his family, and they failed. They utterly failed. And that's where... Uh, that's where it's good news, okay? So yes, this decision was quote-unquote narrow. Uh, Some people have really been blasting the fact that the media has used the term that it was a narrow decision, but it was a narrow, uh, it was, the decision wasn't narrow, okay? A seven to two ruling is not a narrow decision. Obviously, that's pretty much a landslide. The opinion is what was narrow because the opinion is lacking in the strength of religious freedom protections we would have liked to see come from the court in this case, Right? We would have liked to see this be uh, more straightforward so that we wouldn't see this type of thing happening again. In five, ten years, this, this probably exact same case, except with different people, is going to be at the Supreme Court again because they didn't put in, they didn't clarify the religious freedom uh, speech issue. They didn't, they didn't clarify that. They dealt specifically with this case. That said... This is still really, really, really good news because I promise you, like Hugh Hewitt tweeted after the decision uh, and opinion were released, he said those minimizing the decision in Masterpiece Cake as narrow are simply sophists. A loss would have devastated religious liberty, free exercise arguments across all courts and far into the future. This is an enormous milestone victory for religious belief and the First Amendment. And I agree with him 100%. If this case had gone the other way, it would be, it would be, I believe, catastrophic for religious freedom. And it would have been viewed as precedent moving forward. Though the decision that we have won't be precedent, I believe the opposite would have been. And it would have been touted by leftists and heralded from the housetops by liberals across the land to stifle religious freedom all across the country. In addition to that, I saw this on Twitter. I hadn't even thought of it. I don't remember who said it. Uh, I tried to find it, but I'm not sure who it was. But it, it was um, John Stone Street, I think, had maybe retweeted it or tweeted it. But uh, this individual said that we have a SCOTUS confirmation, confirmation from the Supreme Court in a 7-2 to two decision that anti-Christian animus actually exists and motivates real-world government activities. So the next time somebody denies its existence, and they do all the time, there's your comeback. The Supreme Court has literally ruled that anti-Christian animus exists and motivates Government activities in this country. Like, that is literally what their decision was based on, was that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission was acting in an in a anti-Christian fashion towards this baker. Supreme Court now has said, mm, yeah, this does happen. So, now you have, you have that little, you could tuck that away. You're going to need that sometime. So, to sum it up, uh, first of all, we had seven out of nine... Supreme Court justices found that a government agency exhibited animus towards people of faith. Secondly, there will be more cases testing boundaries of religious freedom because while the decision was a landslide, the opinion was narrow and it leaves the door wide open to potential future religious freedom issues including bakers, photographers, you name it. And three, and this is one that I 
is 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 a little more touchy for us, and we don't like to talk about this one. But thirdly, even with this decision, there are so many, I would argue, too many Christians who still think that Jesus would have baked the cake, so Jack Phillips should too. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that in a few minutes after we're we're gonna take a break here in just a minute. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that aspect of it. But before we do that, uh, I want to conclude this segment about this decision with uh, uh, just a couple pieces from Justice Thomas's Justice Clarence Thomas concurred with this decision, and he wrote uh, he wrote his concurrence. I think that. Um, oh, good gravy! What is the name of the new justice? I can't think of his name. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, he he wrote uh, in his concurrence some what I think is legal brilliance. I uh, he I believe is the most brilliant legal mind we currently have uh, on the Supreme Court and a huge bastion of conservatism. So I just want to read to you part of his uh, concurrence. He said this. He said, the conduct that the Colorado Court of Appeals ascribed to Phillips, creating and designing custom wedding cakes, is expressive. Phillips considers himself an artist. The logo for Masterpiece Cake Shop is an artist's paint palette with a paintbrush and baker's whisk. Behind the counter, Phillips has a picture that depicts him as an artist painting on a canvas. Phillips takes exceptional care with each cake that he creates, sketching the design out on paper, choosing the color scheme, creating the frosting and decorations, baking and sculpting the cake, decorating it and delivering it to the wedding examples of his creations can be seen on masterpieces website and then they actually include his website which i think a brilliant move by thomas whether intentional or not the guy just got some i mean it's as if he needed any more publicity but his website's right in there anyway phillips is an active participant in the wedding celebration He sits down with each couple for a consultation before he creates their custom wedding cake. He discusses their preferences, their personalities, and the details of their wedding to ensure that each cake reflects the couple who ordered it. In addition to creating and delivering the cake, a focal point of the wedding celebration, Philip sometimes stays and interacts with the guests at the wedding. And the guests often recognize his creations and see his bakery out afterward. Phillips also sees the inherent symbolism in wedding cakes. To him, a wedding cake inherently communicates the a wedding has occurred, a marriage has begun, and the couple should be celebrated. Wedding cakes do, in fact, communicate this message. A tradition from Victorian England made its way to America after the Civil War. Wedding cakes are so packed with symbolism that it is hard to know where to begin. If an average person walked into a room and saw a white multi-tiered cake, he would immediately know that he had stumbled upon a wedding. The cake is so standardized and inevitable a part of getting married that few ever think to question it. Almost no wedding, no matter how Spartan, is is missing the cake. A whole series of events expected in the context of a wedding would be impossible without it. An essential photograph, the cutting, the toast, and the distribution of both cake and favors at the wedding and afterwards. Although the cake is eventually eaten, that is not its primary purpose. The cake's purpose is to mark the beginning of a new marriage and to celebrate the couple. Accordingly, Philip's creation of custom wedding cakes is expressive. The use of his artistic talents to create a well-recognized symbol that celebrates the beginning of a marriage clearly communicates a message. By forcing Phillips to create custom wedding cakes for same-sex weddings, Colorado's public accommodations law alters the expressive content of his message. The meaning of expressive content, and then it goes on. Uh, I'm going to jump forward. 
uh, down a few pages in his concurrence to this. States cannot punish protected speech because some group finds it offensive, hurtful, uh, stigmatic, unreasonable, or undignified. If there is a bedrock principle underlying the First Amendment, it is that the government may not prohibit the expression of an idea simply because society finds the idea itself offensive or disagreeable. A contrary rule would allow the government to stamp out virtually any speech at will. As the court reiterates today, it is not the role of the state or its officials to prescribe what shall be offensive. Indeed, if it is the speaker's opinion that gives offense, that consequence is a reason for according it constitutional protection. If the only reason a public accommodations law regulates speech is to produce a society free of biases against the protected groups, that purpose is decidedly fatal to the law's constitutionality, for it amounts to nothing less than a proposal to limit speech in the service of orthodox expression. Consider what Phillips actually said to the individual respondents in this case. After sitting down with them for a consultation, Phillips told the couple, I'll make your birthday cake, shower cake, sell you cookies and brownies. I just don't make cakes for same-sex weddings. It is hard to see how this statement stigmatizes gays and lesbians more than blocking them from marching in a city parade, dismissing them from the Boy Scouts, or subjecting them to signs that say, quote, God hates blank, unquote, all of which this course has deemed protected by the First Amendment. Moreover, it is also hard to see how Phillips' statement is worse than the racist, demeaning, and even threatening speech toward blacks that this court has tolerated in previous decisions. Concerns about dignity and stigma did not carry the day when this court affirmed the right of white supremacists to burn a 25-foot cross in Virginia versus black, or conduct a rally on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, or circulate a film featuring hooded Klan members who were brandishing weapons and threatening to bury the blank. Nor does the fact that this court has now decided um, Oberfell versus Hodges somehow diminish Phillips's right to free speech. It is one thing to conclude that the Constitution protects a right to same-sex marriage. It is something else to portray everyone who does not share that view as bigoted and unentitled to express a different view. This court is not an authority on matters of conscience, and its decisions can and often should be criticized. The First Amendment gives individuals the right to disagree about the correctness of Oberfell and the morality of same-sex marriage. Oberfell itself emphasized that the traditional understanding of marriage long has been held and continues to be held in good faith by reasonable and sincere people here and throughout the world. If Phillips' continued adherence to that understanding makes him a minority after Oberfell, that is all the more reason to insist that his speech be protected. In Oberfell, I warned that the court's decision would inevitably come into conflict with religious liberty as individuals are confronted with demands to participate in and endorse civil marriages between same-sex couples. This case proves that the conflict has already emerged. Because the court's decision vindicates Phillips' right to free exercise, it seems that religious liberty has lived to fight another day. But in future cases, the freedom of speech could be essential to preventing Oberfell from being used to stamp out every vestige of dissent and vilify Americans who are unwilling to assent to the new orthodoxy. If that freedom is to maintain its vitality, reasoning like the Colorado Court of Appeals must be rejected. And that's the conclusion of Justice Clarence Thomas's concurrence uh, in the Masterpiece Cake decision. I would encourage you, you can go to supremecourt.gov slash opinions and you can read the justices' um, opinions on every case they, uh, they try and they rule on. And before you take someone else's word for what something says, I would encourage you to read it yourself. 
And I would encourage you, have your high schoolers read opinions from brilliant constitutional legal minds. It will help them think, it will make them think, and it will increase their understanding of what's happening in the world. I would particularly encourage you, when issues like this come out, read the opinion. If you are of a conservative constitutional mindset, read the opinions that Justice Clarence Thomas puts out. They are absolutely brilliant. And I think in this case, he is exactly right. And he has perfectly summarized what we will now be facing moving forward uh, in this country. So, yes, it is great, great news that the Supreme Court ruled as they did in favor of Jack Phillips and protected his rights and his freedom of religion, his freedom of expression. That is great news. This is a great decision. This is a victory. This is a win for those who are who are conservative and constitutional and who believe in freedom of speech, freedom of expression, uh, freedom of religion. Great news. It is also, however, disappointing that the court limited its ruling very narrowly to this individual in particular, rather than creating a precedent so that down the line uh, we wouldn't be looking at essentially, potentially, the same cases over and over again. So, there you have it. That is my breakdown of the Masterpiece Cake Shop ruling. We will be back in just a few minutes because I need to take a breath and get some water in uh, to drink. And um, yeah, so when we return, though, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to contrast uh, Christians that are saying that Jesus would have baked the cake. So regardless of the Supreme Court, Jack Phillips should have as well with uh, a young lady who is taking a very unpopular stand, but who I believe uh, is is going to be rewarded for it and we will talk about that when we return in just a few moments you're listening to kvxl 101.1 fm experience liberty radio from liberty baptist church okay so we were talking about the masterpiece cake shop decision and i said i need to take a break because i need to take a drink of water and then i spent the entire break uh sending a text message rather than getting a drink of water so hold please Okay, I definitely just felt like Marco Rubio, except that you couldn't see me. And props to you if you know what I'm referencing there. Okay, so we, we reviewed the Masterpiece Cake Shop issue. It's good news. It's also bad news. It is both, and it can be both. It doesn't. Sometimes we get so stuck on it must be one thing or the other that we can't understand. Or wrap our minds around the fact that just because it's a narrow opinion doesn't mean that the 7-2 decision isn't good or that just because it's amazing and fantastic that this is how the court ruled that it's also sad because the court didn't do all that they could have so it, it, it is both it can be both to summarize once again we have seven out of nine supreme court justices that found a government agency exhibited animus towards people of faith two that there will be more cases Testing the boundaries of religious freedom because while the decision itself was a landslide, the opinion was narrow and that leaves the door wide open to future religious freedom issues being taken to the court once again. And thirdly, that we still have uh, many Christians who believe that Jesus would have baked the cake so Jack Phillips should too. I personally believe that's because of a lack of understanding of scripture, a lack of biblical education. And I want to contrast that opinion with this story which I'm going to read to you from the Christian Post, and then we'll talk about it. Headline is this. Christian soccer star refused to play for Team USA because of LGBT pride jerseys. 
Christian soccer star Jolene Hinkle has confirmed that she withdrew from the United States women's national team last year to be obedient to God after the team announced it would wear LGBT pride jerseys in international matches. As reported last June... The then 24-year-old Hinkle withdrew from the U.S. roster over personal reasons after she was called on to play international exhibition games against Sweden and Norway. Her withdrawal came two weeks after it was announced that both the U.S. men's and women's national teams would wear rainbow-colored jerseys in support of LGBT Pride Month. It was speculated at the time that the North Carolina Courage defender withdrew herself from the team because of her Christian faith and convictions on issues of sexuality and marriage. In an interview last Wednesday with the Christian Broadcasting Network's The 700 Club, she revealed that her decision not to play for the team came after days of seeking guidance from God. She said, quote, I just felt so convicted in my spirit that it wasn't my job to wear this jersey. I gave myself three days to just seek and pray and determine what God was asking me to do in this situation and I knew in my spirit I was doing the right thing. I knew I was being obedient. Hinkle explained that it was almost like an out-of-body experience when she was invited to play for the women's national team and said that she was excited to wear the emblem of the U.S. flag on her chest. But after it was announced that the team jersey was designed to honor the LGBT community, she knew she had a tough decision. Chase her dream or obey her God and her convictions. Quote, I am essentially giving up the one dream that little girls dream about their entire life, and I'm saying no to it. It was very disappointed. However, she assured that an inner peace has trumped the disappointment. Quote, I knew in my spirit I was doing the right thing. I knew that I was being obedient. But just because you are obedient doesn't make it easy. Hinkle stressed that despite the disappointment, she doesn't question God's plan for her life. Quote, I don't question his goodness. I know he is good. I know he is faithful. If I don't get a national team invitation again, that is part of his plan and that is okay. Maybe that was why I was meant to play soccer. Hinkle was raised in a Christian home in Colorado and committed her life to Christ at the age of 12, according to CBN. In the interview with CBN, she recounted the struggles she had going to school and playing at Texas Tech and maintaining a healthy church life. Hinkle has not been afraid to let her voice be heard on issues pertaining to marriage and sexuality. In June 2015, on the day that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled to make same-sex marriage a national right, Hinkle shared a post on her Instagram page in which she convert, uh, converted a human rights campaign gay equality quality flag into a cross. She said, quote, Jesus didn't come to save those who already believed in him. He came so that the lost, rejected, and abandoned men and women would find him and believe. I believe with every fiber in my body that what was written 2,000 years ago in the Bible is undoubtedly true. It's not a fictional book. It's not a pick and choose what you want to believe. You either believe it or you don't. This world may change, but Christ and his word never will. And never is in all caps. Now, This is a huge, huge, huge stand. I literally don't even know how to explain to you. Like, it's making me tear up right now just thinking about it. I don't know how to explain to you what this means for her life and her career. I played soccer on a girls' youth traveling team in the early and mid-90s. And I can tell you, I, I vividly remember the 1994 World Cup. I remember basically nothing else about 1994, but I remember the World Cup because the United States was the host country. I was playing on an all-girls soccer travel team, and what every girl on my team wanted was to grow up and play for the United States in the World Cup. 
And by the way, our women's team was pretty much epic then, just like it is now. Men's team, ah, we're still working on it. But the, the women's team, like if you were, if you were a girl playing soccer in 1994, it was like it was it was just I I can't describe it to you. I was only 10 years old, but I remember it, and I remember Brazil winning. Uh, the men's World Cup. I remember being baffled by the fact that these men would wear collared shirts while playing soccer. That was a thing back then. Still is in some places. I'm still baffled about it, actually. But as as ten year old girls, that's all we wanted. And I really, you know, I think the World Cup being in the United States that year made us a better team. Uh, I think that it did huge things for youth soccer uh, in this country. I think that that is when uh, girls soccer in particular really kind of took off. I mean, soccer was cool. Soccer was fun. Soccer was what everyone was talking about at that point. And look, I'm not a soccer expert. I stopped playing in my early teens, just some family issues. But I can tell you this. If you played soccer as a girl and you grew up playing soccer... The dream of your life, if you're good at soccer as a girl, is to play for the national team. And as a boy, too, I'm sure, but I can't speak for them because I'm not one. But very, very, very few people make it to that level. Right? So so your chances of making it onto an NFL team are, like, pretty much nothing. Your chances of making it onto the national soccer team, way less than that. Okay, so I don't I don't know how to compare it to another sport. It would be like making it onto the all-star team. So if you make the national soccer team for your country, you've basically you have you've made it onto the all-star team. You've made it through the league. You you are better than the best. Like you are the best. And and you just you you don't you it's you don't make it that far like that may be your dream but odds are that's never going to happen for you like you can be an amazing soccer player and that just never happens because the way soccer works though is uh is basically um and yes if you're a football buff i get it this is more complicated than i'm than i'm making it out to be but i'm trying to break it down here but so basically if the national team calls you up one time if you play for that team just once you're in okay you may not ever you may not ever start for them after that. You may sit on the bench. You may not get a second callback, but it's that initial call. If you make it, if you play for the team just once, that that you've arrived. Like that is it. And that initial call takes years upon years upon years of of practice and of skill development and of travel and 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 for many incredibly skilled players that's a call that never comes, that they wait their whole early life for. Because soccer, you know, they're, they're, you're, you're done by like 26, 27. Some of the really good ones make it a little longer, but there's not a big window. If the call never comes, it's, it's over. And to turn down that phone call if you do get it, that is basically unheard of. Because of the, the the odds that you'll ever get it again, and very very sadly for Jaylene, uh, the odds are are not in her favor that that phone call will ever come call uh, come again, and the and it hasn't thus far. The team has not called her up again. Now it could be that her skills have diminished in the past year, or maybe they've already found other players to fill the gap that they thought uh, that she would play in, or or maybe they don't want the drama of an outspoken Bible believing Christian on their team. 
which, you know, I, I don't think would be the case because they called her up the first time and she'd already been outspoken. But now that it's become uh, somewhat of a national story that she wouldn't play because of the LGBT flag numbers on the jerseys, um, I, I could see how that would be more of an issue. But I hope that it's not, because if that is the case, it's both hypocritical and extremely sad since we give Megan Rapino a voice who is an outspoken homosexual who knelt during the anthem. Like, it's one thing to kneel during a football game when you're, like, playing another country, or another country, another uh, team from a different city or something. It's another thing when you're actually representing the United States on the world stage, when it's, like, your country versus another country and you kneel for our anthem. Like, that's taking it to a whole nother level, in my opinion. But anyway... If you have an outspoken homosexual on your team, and that's okay, then you should be able to have an outspoken Christian on your team, and that be okay, too. And maybe, I, I'm sure that's not all of it. I'm sure that it's not. I mean, okay, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, okay? But I suspect that it at least has something to do with the fact that she hasn't called been called back up. And that's the whole problem right now in our country of this whole issue of tolerance and diversity. We're neither tolerant nor diverse because we only tolerate one type of diversity. Bear with me now. Stick with me. If you support gay marriage, we embrace you. We tolerate you. If that's your thought and opinion, it is welcomed. It is celebrated. We have special jerseys for you. You get your own flag. You get your own parades. But if you don't support gay marriage, you're not tolerated. You're ostracized and your opinion is silent, silenced. There's no parade for you. There's no special jersey for you. Say, well, that's because every jersey represents the, the heterosexual movement. No, it doesn't. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. See, diversity isn't something that we cherish. It's something that we shun. Tolerance isn't a place where we live in this country. We're, we're intolerant of those who would like to tolerate us. They just don't want to. This is how it works, right? We've forgotten that there's a difference between someone being tolerant and someone embracing something. And we've reached a point where if you don't embrace it, then you're viewed as intolerant. But that's not the case at all. And diversity, please. If we truly embraced diversity, if we truly wanted freedom of thought and freedom of opinion and freedom of expression, then there would never be a case at the Supreme Court about a baker and a cake because the baker's choices and convictions would be just as valued as those on the opposite side of the issue as he is. That's what diversity and tolerance is. We don't have it in this country. Now, all that to say, hats off to this young lady, Jaylene, for being just a bold witness and for taking this stand. Because this is not, I can't imagine how heart-wrenching this decision was for her. And sadly, uh, with this stand, she may never play for the U.S. Women's National Team. Her lifelong dream, her the, the thing that she's worked for since she was a little girl. You know what? I, I just, I love this because for her, 
She's taking a stand. She's saying there's someone and something more important to me than my dreams. And his name is Jesus. And this to me, as someone who played soccer and watches soccer and has a brother who talks about soccer all the time, this is just, this is such a big deal, you guys, because I don't know the last time I saw someone with an eternal perspective to this level where they literally gave up everything they've ever wanted to stay true to their convictions. I mean, this to me, this is like Eric Little level stuff. I mean, bravo, Jaylene, bravo. We need more brave, bold Christian men and women like you out there because this is just not something uh, that we see anymore today. And last but not least... Our Las Vegas Golden Knights play tonight, 5 o'clock. It's do or die. We've got to win this game. Personally, I'm rooting for a, a seven-game series. Like I don't know about you guys, but okay, if you, if you don't understand how this works, we have to have seven games to be able to win because we've only won one game. You have to win four. We need all seven games to happen, and we have to win out. We have to win three games in a row. We have to win tonight. We have to win on Sunday, and we have to win again on Wednesday next week. So tonight is when the fun begins. You're like, that's impossible. Nobody does that. Well, it's not likely, but it is possible. It wasn't possible for an expansion team to make it to the playoffs at all. It definitely wasn't possible for an expansion team to make it to the final. And yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it does it seems impossible that a team could overcome a 3 to 1 deficit, but it has been done before. It can be done again. So wear your Knights t-shirts, get out your Knights hats, wave those flags unless your homeowners association told you you couldn't, but you know. Um because the Knights are up tonight, 5 o'clock, must win game. Have to win tonight. Have to win on Sunday, have to win on Wednesday. All the games of the playoffs are at 5 o'clock Pacific time. I believe tonight's game is on NBC. Let me double check for you via the Google. Is NBC broadcasting um, Stanley Cup final tonight? Let's see if Google knows the answer. Um... Okay. Game five, yes. Game five is on NBC. So if we, uh, hopefully we win tonight, then game six will be on NBC Sports Network on Sunday. No, I apologize. Game six will be on NBC. Oh, I see what they're doing. Okay. So the pre-game show and post-game show for all of the remaining games will be on NBC Sports Network. The games themselves will be on NBC. So all you need is an antenna, and you can see that. You could probably even stream it online, actually, now that I think about it. Regardless, and I think Hulu. I feel like I've seen a bazillion ads from Hulu about watching playoff hockey on them if you happen to have that. So lots of ways, or, you know, maybe you have a friend that's willing to have you over, and unless you're a Caps fan, in which case, um, well... There are some ungodly thoughts that I would have towards you right now. So I'll just leave them in my head. That's the best thing to do with them. Well, actually, I'm going to take them captive and then I'm going to throw them out. I Yeah, I got that whole thing. What I meant was I'm not going to have them come out of my mouth. And you should do the same to your friends that are Caps fans. I know it's hard to deal with them, but we have to. At least for a few more games. 
All right. We've reached the end of our program. I know you're very sad, but it's okay because we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, here on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. Be sure to join us on Sunday. Our service times are 9.30 and 11.15, and we would love to have you and your family here with us. We're going to end today with the Ball Brothers singing Just As I Am, and we will see you back here tomorrow.